0: Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today, and now back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me today is my
1: long-suffering producer, Tom. Tom, how are you doing? Hello, Joe. I'm very welcome. Uh, I'm very happy to be in the vape zone, as <laughs> we are now calling this podcast. It's the uh, disposable vape zone. That is the sound that everybody
0: heard that, that of me dropping my vape onto the table while I was doing the introduction to this podcast, because I <laughs> am a professional. Um, I... Uh, uh, you- before I, 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 we get started i do have to say uh, this morning i annihilated my toilet and not the way that people think i broke it um i have a very what is
1: with everyone involved in this pod in this podcast like breaking toilets recently this is the first time i've done it uh the, like the it's like this
0: i've never seen a toilet like this before until i before it's called they call it like a unitas here i don't know what it'd be called anywhere else but it's like the the entire system is contained in the back of the toilet and you cannot take the top off like it's like locked into oh. place uh, which i learned today is that you're not supposed to take the top off uh because but the reservoir was not filling and you know in the US you're like oh reservoir is not filling got to take this fucker off and mess with something on the inside mm-hmm. uh, so i take it off and immediately i break it like the entire <laughs> the, <laughs> the entire pump system comes undone and i'm just like oh shit oh fuck i got to put this back together uh, and i managed to put it all back together and it works but not very well i'm just like and I, I, this happened on my way to the gym this morning i was like i i am not it, it flushes the reservoir fills so i broke it but did i really did i really break you the broke toilet it, you broke it better yeah you broke
1: it better yeah
0: I, I i i i invented a new toilet which is
1: still not great um well this is the thing that like freaks me out it's like obviously in bars and stuff you have like a lot of toilets where the cistern is like built into the wall mm-hmm. so like you can't like mess around with it but like people who have that in their houses like you're gonna have to get a plumber out you're go- probably gonna have to like re it after like half have- if you don't have like a piece cut out to get in at the toilet And i'm like how long do you expect this thing to work for <laughs> all the way up until like taco night or something i don't know that is just like supreme confidence in ceramics where i'm i I have to commend it yeah i don't know i i
0: i am not uh jealous of plumbers who have to deal with that shit uh no pun intended um (laughs) when i was getting out of the army they had this program they set you up like apprenticeships or whatever and obviously Mm -hmm. i did not end up taking any of these but you can like go and like see if one of them appeals to you and uh, because for whatever reason, I wasn't there when they signed up for like the cool apprenticeships or like the ones that are like appealing to people. Uh, the one mm-hmm. that was left was like plumber. Uh, and I'm not saying that the shit talk plumber is like, obviously it's a very important job and you know, et cetera, but it's not something I would ever see myself doing mostly because I am not going to do manual labor. I did. <laughs> uh, I say this is someone who did manual labor in the army for like 10 years uh, I fucking hate it. I'm not good at it. Um, and I will quit. Uh, the only reason why I made it that long in the army is because you're legally not allowed to quit. Um, but I went for like one day to this apprenticeship and like, oh yeah, you're going to go out like this, this call with us. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. Let's like I, I want to see how this goes. And someone's like, this is like stuff that doesn't really exist anymore as far as I know, but they had their entire septic system like in their backyard like pipes under their yard and it had exploded oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. and had created this backyard swamp of human waste. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I'm done here. I'm good. You guys have fun with this. I hope, I hope you make all the money in the world, but it's not for me.
1: So like that's super common in Ireland to have the septic tank, like in the back garden, but it's really funny because anyone who's Irish who's listening to this who like grew up outside the city will know this thing. So obviously it gets like quite cold in the winter. Like we don't, we have two seasons in Ireland, wet and dry. But when there's like it's quite cold, if you're like looking out the back kitchen window and someone in a in the house after taking a dump and flushes it, you just see the steam coming out of the exhaust <laughs> pipe for the septic tank. Uh, the one in Michigan that uh, at,
0: well, when I was growing up, we had to have like someone had to come empty the tank every once in a while. And likewise, it had exploded uh, at one point, Um, though it had exploded because my brother and I were children and stuffed something down the toilet. Um, Uh, And uh, like my mom is like, oh, wow, this house is old. So, you know, these things happen. And the plumber's like, actually, we found this like hockey figurine down there that probably caused this. And I was like, Mark did it. That wasn't me. (laughs)
1: wayne gretzky blocked your toilet yeah yeah uh
0: he's truly the goat at fucking up uh my mom's pipes
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like you know i got i gotta i gotta shout out the plumbers you know i don't want to respect the tradesmen i would argue that plumbers and electricians are like the two most essential tradesmen because they are if like something goes wrong in your house Plumbing and electrics are just the two things you just do not want to fuck with.
0: No, though like especially electricity. That's like one thing uh, like it it happens here like I had some electrical problems in my apartment and my landlord's like, "Oh, I know a guy who can work on electric uh, electric stuff. I'll send him over."
1: I'm like, I noticed you did not use the term electrician. That that sentence is the start of probably about three months of misery for so many people. He he
0: fixed it, but he shocked the piss out of out of himself like six or seven times doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like I was like, so where did you like? Did you go to school? He's like, no, no, I taught myself. Like, yeah, I could tell. Uh, I mean, you
1: know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like this is a thing. Like basic carpentry stuff, unless it's it's not structural you can kind of figure out how to do most of it. Like if it's structural, you should probably call in someone. But if it's like, Oh, the leg on like one of my countertops is like broken. I can probably fix that with some wood glue myself and like figure it out. But like, if you have just like sinks and toilets overflowing or like just a socket that you plug something in, you get a mild shock. You just call in a professional shout out the unions. Yeah. Union makes us strong.
0: They're like, these jobs are incredibly important. They are, however, not for me. God bless you for doing them.
1: <laughs> yeah, if uh, if we hit a certain goal on the Patreon, I'm going to unionize against Joe. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have Shocks represent me as my union rep when I negotiate with Joe. Plot twist, the Patreon gets it high. I can afford to hire McKinsey. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just put your face on the homepage, like you raytheon you're right beside pete Buttigieg, like making canadian children starve
0: <laughs> subscribe to the lines of By ducky's patreon and i will personally increase the bread prices
1: in canada um if you support the patreon enough joke and afford a moab
0: yeah i know where that motherfuckers going um now before i say something that has to be bleeped Tom, we have a podcast. Um, and on that podcast, I'm not good at segues today. Uh, we love to talk about the Roman military getting its ass beat. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a good old-fashioned Roman ass-whooping is, I think, one, a foundational story of the show. And I understand that a Roman ass-beating probably means something much worse if you Google search it. Or, like, with safe search off or put in, like, the mm-hmm. urban dictionary. Um We've talked a lot about these over the years, from Tootabug Forest to Hannibal tap dancing on Robes so hard they reverted back to human sacrifice temporarily. Um, Now, for this episode and pretty much all of our other Rome episodes, not counting our entire side series, the Rome cast available on Patreon. See, that plug was smooth. Sometimes you just got to stop and admire that. Yeah, you you made that (laughs) one work. As for someone who's not good at segues, intros, or any other part of the beginning or the end of a show. Nailed that one. It's all downfield from here. Um, but we have to go back to the Roman Republic, specifically the first triumvirate. A three-headed clusterfuck of government consisted of Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus, known famously as Pompey the Great, Gaius Julius Caesar, and Marcus Lincinius Crassus. A form of government that worked so well you might recognize it in, like, Lebanon. Uh, despite Caesar becoming the most famous Roman to, uh, for most people listening, I'm assuming, at and At the time, Pompey was definitely more famous than than Caesar was. He was the greatest general in Rome, though Caesar was young, and uh, he was quickly catching up. Crassus, on the other hand, was a notorious, legendary, historical piece of shit. Um, He kind of sort of invented the concept of a fire brigade, but he did it in a protection racket. Um, Okay. He was the richest man in Rome, and that is how he became that way. Uh, so his fire brigade would show up if your house is on fire. So your house, your farm, whatever is on fire. And he'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, that sucks. It'd be a shame if it burned all the way down. I'll buy it from you for $50,000 and we'll put the fire out. So you're left with a choice. Do I let my house burn all the way to the ground? At which point it's worth nothing. Or do I sell immediately to Crassus? And then he puts the fire out and then the, the property is his.
1: Um, he made, so much money doing this. I like that in the US, it seems like you're about three steps away from doing this.
0: I mean, in, depending on where you live, um, as, I say this as someone who was a firefighter once upon a time. In most places, the fire department does not work this way. It is a civil and public service. However, I have heard horror stories from more rural areas where like, oh, you didn't pay... Your fire department tax or whatever and they'll like park out front and watch this shit burn (laughs) Um, I don't know how prevalent that is anymore uh, but I've heard stories in like the mid 2000s of that happening in some more out of the way places um, oh my god yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's like, really if funny, liberta- like it's like if libertarians control the fire department like oh i see your house is on fire you're only subscribed to the silver package we can't rescue your kids until you upgrade to platinum please download the app
1: your house is more than 13 years old we're not gonna save it
0: <laughs> this life-saving rescue is brought to you by cheetos dangerously cheesy
1: but uh, it's funny because on my own show, um, check out Beneath Skin Pod. Um, See? We See? Were, that's, we're two, di-
0: that's two good plugs already.
1: Um, we're uh, By the time this is, uh, we've finished our four-part series about the history of Japan. And in one of the episodes when we we're talking about Edo period Tokyo, um, Edo essentially had a huge problem with houses burning down because everything was just made with timber, paper, fabric. Thankfully, that never happened again. And essentially the fire brigades in edo were just like brawling gangs of guys so like they would show up to put out a fire and their main method was like okay we're just going to chop your house down so it doesn't burn all the houses around it yeah there's like loads of evidence there's loads of evidence of these like firemen like two groups of them like showing up to the same scene and then just fighting outside over who gets to chop down the house dudes rock and then <laughs> and then like drinking in like bars and stuff like late into the night and then just having street brawls
0: okay but that does track with my experience in the fire department at least that last Where, part. some Something's
1: never change yeah uh i return
0: to tradition except it is when the guys from the other firehouse you don't like show up to the same call
1: you just start beating the fuck out of them <laughs> you just turn hoses on each other
0: Yeah. Um, now crassus despite his immense nearly incalculable wealth did not have nearly as much martial glory as the other two. So, at the ripe age of 60, he began planning, and 60 is old as shit for Rome. Um, like, yeah. he is elderly. Uh, he began to plan ways to fluff up this record. Crassus's first real glory came when he put down Spartacus's rebellion, though he lost quite a few times before he put that rebellion down and had to reintroduce the practice of decimation onto his legions in order to get them to actually fight uh, for people who mm. are unaware decimation is a lot pulling of one out of every 10 soldiers in a, in a group of 10 is to be executed by the other nine uh, normally by being beaten to death. Um, and we actually did a series about the Spartacus rebellion a while ago. You can go listen to it. We talk about it a lot more, but, and like decimation comes up on the show more frequently than it should like it's that joke mm-hmm. like you know if, if i had a nickel for every time we talked about decimation on this show i'd have five nickels but that's still kind of weird that's <laughs> happened so many times five, um, five nickels more than you would have had otherwise yeah i mean it's happened recently in history as recent as world war ii um and a few other ones since then from what i've heard mm-hmm. um though spartacus was quite terrifying to rome at the time Beating him was not exactly considered a flex because it was just a slave rebellion. Um, While this was happening, Pompey had been given a formal triumph because he he had taken part in the conquest of Iberia, while Crassus is only given an ovation, which according to Plutarch, Roman citizens actually thought it was pathetic that Crassus took the ovation uh, because he had only killed some slaves. He had not retaken any territory for Rome. He hadn't conquered a... You know, a major enemy. He had taken over Iberia. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Like uh, the one thing that, like, overriding thought I have while hearing about this guy for the first time is: imagine how much of a dickhead you have to be to be remembered as a dickhead thousands of years later.
0: Yeah, a dickhead slumlord who started a uh, like a mafia-based fire department.
1: Amazing, um, incredible. Sounds like sounds like the Roman Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> uh, though
0: I. I'm not sure if
1: Crassus fucked his cousin, which Rudy Giuliani did do. Um, uh, I didn't know that.
0: Married her even. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's some Jerry Lee Lewis shit. Yeah.
0: Uh, ugh, God. Uh, now, this episode is about 18 years after that.
1: Rome and Parthia
0: are not exactly friends during this era. The Parthians are easily to considered Iranian. They're inheritors, inheritors of the old Persian Empire that had been destroyed by Alexander the Great. The Parthians were not really at war with Rome exactly, but they were not friends. Um, Mm -hmm. Both Sulla and Pompey had previous tours of duty in the east and negotiated with them on friendly terms. As friendly as terms can be between two regional powers. uh, As friendly as Rome negotiates with anybody they consider their inferior. Right. Um, Though Parthia's power was expanding and they are growing large enough that Rome was starting to get annoyed uh, with their continued existence. It was also pressing on lands that Rome considered to be within their sphere of influence. And wouldn't you know it, there happened to be a succession crisis unfolding in Parthia, which led directly to the region kind of exploding, drawing Rome further in because they saw an opening. In 57 BC, King Frades III was murdered by his sons Orodes II and Mithridates IV who then promptly began trying to kill one another over the throne. Orodes won, sending Mithridates running across the border into Roman-controlled Syria,
1: seeking help from the Roman proconsul there. This is just like when a, a, a Greek cafe owner retires at like 55 and his two large sons fight over who gets to take it.
0: <laughs> nah, who could forget the secession crisis of Athens heroes down the street? <laughs> Now, obviously, the pro-council wanted to get involved because placing a king that was very, uh, you know, favorable to the Romans on the Parthian throne would be a huge win, not only for him personally, but also Rome. Eventually, these plans fell apart. However, that particular pro-council's replacement was Marcus Crassus, who immediately began fucking with Parthia directly. He allied with Mithridates, and he helped him invade one of the Parthian client kingdoms in fifty-four. That plan failed pretty hard. and Mithridates is executed. This also created something of a power vacuum because it made Rome look weak. Um, so uh, so weak, in fact, that the Roman client kingdom of Armenia quickly said, oh, we're going to go with the Parthians now because it seems like the Romans are on the way out. <laughs> Armenia does this quite a few times.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Ar- re- Armenia really the weapon of choice.
0: Uh, look, man, it's like uh, winds blowing east this time. I guess I'm with Rome. Oh, fuck. He's like licking the fingers, sticking up like we're going to be with Parthia this week. So many, many years later, with Parthia even stronger and still undergoing a bit of internal strife that any large, growing, decentralized empire tends to do, Crassus found a way to finally elevate himself using military conquest, as his last real victory had been well over a decade ago. After all, despite their regional strength, everyone assumed that with the full weight of the Roman military, Parthia would be crushed quite easily. The legions had previously done so against regional powers like Pontus and Armenia, once again, uh, while hardly breaking a sweat. So Crassus assumed that the hardest part of the war
1: would just be walking over there to do it. Uh, but mm. To be fair, it was a long walk. I mean, I I feel like we have a classic case of a roman hubris coming up but i'm gonna let you prove me wrong or right
0: oh absolutely um and even funnier was rome itself was against this war parthia and rome actually had an active treaty so the senate and even citizens who care enough to pay attention were pretty openly against the war cicero called it a war without justification and even though None of this matters because Roman democracy is a fucking joke. The Tribune of the Plebes uh, publicly like, placed a curse on him, uh, which is a f- which is pretty funny. We need people in the Senate placing curses on people more often,
1: in my opinion. Uh, but this is just like, this is really just like you're like at a party or something and like your friend is just adamantly confident that they can jump from the balcony into a bush like and not get (laughs) hurt and everyone is like dude we're three floors up you are blackout drunk this is not a good idea please just stop
0: it's fine bro i know to tuck and roll i'll be fine and then it's like you so go fund me for his hospital bills upcoming you know um, now, th- this also was portended by bad weather. People began to believe this entire invasion was like a giant bad omen for Rome, but Crassus and his army specifically, and one of these things ended up being very, very true. Um, and Crassus really should have listened because as soon as his invasion force set off from a Roman port, it ran into a storm and lost several ships and thousands of men.
1: I, I, I'm going to try and count how many points during the procession of this battle, that they could have just cut their losses and ran home, and to be like, okay, no, we're cutting our losses. We're not going to pursue this. So we're at one now. He could have turned around in
0: so many different ways. He's even given a better way to go on this campaign by a Roman ally, and he just wasn't listening to them. Um, and on, on November fourteenth, fifty-five BC, Crassus assembled fifty thousand men. Uh, this is seven legions, and he paid for it all himself. Uh, like he wanted all of this to be on him, and that ended up being not the way that he intended. In a little bit, he started his invasion, and he was joined by Publius Crassus, who was aide to Caesar's very famous campaign in Gaul. He was a rising political star in Rome, but more importantly, he was a Crassus's son. Again, this mm-hmm. will end up being a a mistake. Uh- <laughs> nepotism nepotism never gets old. Ooh, Uh, well, you know what else isn't going to get old? Publius Crassus. Uh- <laughs> crossing the euphrates he occupied and garrisoned a few nearby towns all of them surrendered to romans voluntarily largely without a fight with the exception of one town in particular plutarch reported that crassus took it by storm plundered the goods and then sold all of the inhabitants into slavery which was normal roman you know doctrine at the time He then required his army to salute him as Imperator, which is quite funny because he had not taken over shit yet. Um, He had fought one minor battle against mostly unarmed people. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, now he's like, I want you to call me Imperator.
1: This is just like pure lying about your uh, job history on LinkedIn. I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, everybody lies on their resume a little bit. Um, not many people lie to make themselves. Actually, a lot of people lied to themselves to make them seem like a military genius in order to get like a talking head job or something. Uh,
1: like know. how how many uh, public figures in U.S. politics are were like they were in the Marines or they were Special Forces, but in reality they spent like three months filing paperwork.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's quite. There was someone running for Senate, or I think it's House of Representatives, actually, uh, running against Ilhan Omar. And like she was, uh, like, I have a strong 15 year career of being in the US military. And they'd like only made it to the rank of E4. And (laughs) (laughs) I was like, man, I would not be flexing about that. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) yeah, like how how to suck at your job, but suck at it consistently. That's right. Now he eventually went into winter quarters and came out of them in 53,
0: at which point the king of Parthia sent an emissary. The king's message that was, if Crassus's armies was sent by the people of Rome, Parthia would have no mercy on them. But if the invasion was just Crassus's private adventure for his own profit, which it was, uh, the king would take pity on Crassus, allow the army to depart without being fought. Crassus promptly told the emissary to fuck off, and the emissary walked away laughing. Two. We're on two now. (laughs) At this point, the kingdom of Armenia had once again joined Rome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fickle Armenians. <laughs> now, with the with the king of Armenia, uh, Artavestus, uh, rode with Crassus, bringing thousands of his own soldiers. Artavestus had previously grown up in the area and fought the Parthians multiple times. He had fought the Romans as well, and he tried to point out that Crassus, man, listen. Your plan is going to force you to march directly through the desert, and that seems like a bad idea. Cut it like not only is that like on its face value very stupid. Don't march through the desert; there's no water there. It's also hostile territory. Like he'd be marching through enemy territory all the way to Parthia. And King Artavestes is like, look, if we just like dip north a bit, we can cut through Armenia. You can supply through there, and it's friendly. Uh, it'll take a little longer, but you know, when the other option is again marching fifty thousand men through the desert, this is a much better idea. Uh, also, the Armenian terrain is not flat; it's quite mountainous, and the Parthians depend on cavalry for fighting, so they won't be able to deploy their cavalry against you very well.
1: There, again, Crassus said no. like what? What was his justification of not like not choosing the better option? um generally if i was to
0: spitball here is that he because it would made him in his opinion it would make him seem like secondary to king art like okay, okay i'm in command i will make the choices even if they're very very stupid
1: like once again like we we recently did an episode about or uh, who was it the fucking The Crusaders getting their ass handed to them by Saladin because they did the exact same thing. again, marching through
0: the middle of a desert.
1: Yeah, like, don't, like, march through the desert. Don't try and do without any water. Like, I just do not know why the fuck these people don't learn.
0: Somehow this will not be the only time he says fuck water in the situation. For God's sake. All advice from the king of Armenia was completely ignored, which was a very, very stupid idea. This is because Crassus had never fought the Parthians before, while King Artavestes had. And furthermore, Crassus didn't actually seem to care all that much about learning about his enemy. He knew absolutely nothing about the Parthians. He knew nothing about how they fought. And they could not have fought more differently than Romans. For instance, the Parthians barely used infantry. If they did use infantry, it would be like local militias they would raise up or mercenaries. Most mm. of their their strength came from their horsemen, and specifically their heavy cavalry called cataphracts. Um, anybody who's played Rome Total War is probably like, ah, I know that <laughs> word. Uh, the cataphracts wore scale body armor with articulated plating on their arms and legs. Uh, they were armed with long lances as their primary weapon, and they could very easily be thought of as like an early cousin to a medieval knight. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Probably most famously, specifically in this case for Parthia, is, the, is their horse archers. Mm. They would charge at an enemy, fire off a volley, and then retreat in a loop and constantly run in a circle, doing this mm-hmm. over and over and over again. The enemy would think that when they, pull, when they veer off, they're retreating. So they would chase them, leading to the Parthian circling around, doing the same thing over. And this is where the term Parthian shot comes from. Um, oh, okay, it is a, a is a constant hit and run attack on an on a open battlefield.
1: Again, unlike and, w- and like what is like the Roman like I, they have fifty five fifty thousand troops. Like what are, is like like cavalry, almost infantry, entirely what infantry. Here? Yeah. Oh my god. And specifically,
0: the Parthian tactics are great against a infantry based army. So at this point, and actually for a lot of Rome's existence. The bulk of their cavalry force would come from auxiliaries like the Armenians in this example. Um, mm-hmm. And they did have their own cavalry, but it was never considered great. Um, they always kind of saw it as an afterthought. And in this case, okay. none of their cavalry are Roman. Most of them are Armenian. Some of them are others. And Armenians aren't exactly known for having great cavalry either. They're just <laughs> dudes on horses. Um So ignoring advice and marching through the desert, Crassus advanced on the town of Zaguma and then Selassia, which was on the Euphrates River. He then crossed the river, and it was again advised by the king of Armenia, bro, we should probably keep the river to our flank. This is a good idea. Uh, Not only is it a water source, which again, we're in the middle of the desert, gonna need that. But, you know, if you have something the size of the Euphrates River to one side, you cannot be surrounded.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Also, so at this point, we are two points at which he could have turned around and be like, you know, this is a dumb idea. And we're at four points of him, like completely ignoring tactical advice that probably would have made him win this battle.
0: Yeah. And he, of course, he ignores this advice as well. Um, Instead,
1: he's like, listen here, King Ardivestes,
0: you swarthy fuck. This local tribal leader who I just met is great friends with me. He's saying all these nice things about me. And he told me that there's only a small Parthian army up ahead, led by a guy named General Serena, which should have been a key because Serena was by far the best general in Parthian history. (laughs) And he's a guy who required 200 entire wagons to transport all of his concubines when he went out the campaign
1: like this just really reminds me of a situation i was in a while ago where this is because when i drink i love just talking to anyone was out and looking for you know a nightclub to go to and person i was with was like oh we should go to this place because it like i've heard it's really good looks cool on google let's go to that and i was like no this guy i met at the bar said we should go to this place he said it's really really good and ended up like walking for 25 minutes whereas the other place was like five minutes away (laughs) and the place we ended up going was shit yeah yeah that'll happen should have listened to the the armenian king
0: at the local pub yeah um now that that's that'll be just be us next week that's right um now Obviously, I shouldn't have to point this out, but that tribal leader was a fucking spy, um, and he was being used to lure Crassus into a Parthian trap. Uh, So, of course, Crassus hired that tribal leader to be their guide through the open Mesopotamian desert, away from the river, and through deep sand and burning sun. Um, As this happened, the Parthian king once again invaded Armenia which meant King Artavestes had to fuck off to protect his kingdom and could no longer send reinforcements to the Romans.
1: Though- At every single point, he is ignoring best practices, both militarily and just like in intelligence yeah, just and basic, doing the worst thing possible. Just
0: basic self-preservation skills. <laughs>
1: These poor Roman soldiers marching in their like tiny thin leather sandals, just their feet burning on the sand, going ow, 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 ow,
0: <laughs> ow fuck, shit. Uh, and so Essays makes it back to Armenia, which isn't too far away. He then sends a message back to the uh, back to Crassus, telling him, like I'm begging you for the love of God, get the fuck out of the desert and come to Armenia now. Not only to get like the to defeat the Parthians there, but again that they could then use Armenia for transit. Now, according to Plutarch, at this point, Crassus was suspicious of King Artavestes. like, you know, he keeps trying to get me to come to Armenia very often. This must be some kind of Parthian plot, and that the king was betraying him. So he vowed right then and there, he would burn Armenia to the ground when he was done with Parthia. And it turned out Crassus might be the only man in history to make that threat and not actually be able to carry it out. <laughs> uh the tribal leader who was guiding the Romans through the desert just vanished one night, uh leaving the entire army stranded and completely lost near the town of uh Karhai. Uh Kar Karahai? Karahi, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, but it's also the name of the battle. I looked up so many I looked up three different pronunciation guides and all three pronounced differently. So Karai. I'm going with Karai. That's that that is my educated guess. crassus took solace the fact that the parthians nearby were again only a small force and were kind of far away then the roman scouts returned well some of them returned most of them had been killed they reported that the parthian army was nearby and large about ten thousand men and was coming for them now this is actually a small military in comparison you know they outnumbered two to one just about crassus panicked not sure what to do, and he had no idea how to form his men up correctly and began randomly switching up between different formations, between the standard line formations, uh, and then settling on a square formation, having no idea exactly where the Parthians were. And then once he formed up in a square formation, he had them just march in a direction
1: blindly. He's just like, you know, uh, march in a square. Square is the strongest shape, you know, like, it, nothing can defeat a square. And so said. What about a triangle? Fuck.
0: Uh, on accident, he did actually pick the right formation because the square formation is best for fighting off cavalry formations. Um, okay. But he he didn't do that on purpose. Um, and then as a stroke of good luck, the only good luck the Romans will have, they accidentally found a river uh, and soldiers were able to get water for the first time in days. Mm-hmm. This is where every officer in Crassus' army came to him and say, look, we should stay here. Uh, The Parthians are coming for us. Our scout said they're attacking us. We should just wait for them. Um, However, Crassus's son convinced his dad that no Romans attack. We need to advance on them and not wait for them because defending and drinking water for survival is for pussies. Uh, So that is exactly what they did.
1: The downfall of so many men is their large son. Like, This like Kyle Rittenhouse looking Roman is like, no, you know, water's for gays. No, we attack. Real Roman just marched blindly off into the fucking desert. I mean, it's probably, you know, if we look at the continuity of Rome, that's actually quite, you know, a through line (laughs) of like doing the stupidest shit possible.
0: I mean, at this point, imagine that you're Serena, right? He's like, they can't possibly keep doing this. Oh, oh God. They're
1: really, they're going through with it again. I can't imagine, like, imagine being, like, a Parthian scout just, like, off in the distance on some ridge somewhere and just, like, looking at all these Romans, like, do, like, marching away from the water and you're just like, are, are are they fucking with us? Like, are they, like, are they gonna, like, march forward to draw a scene and then march back towards the water, like, or are they actually this dumb? The most sunburned Italians you've ever seen, just
0: getting lost wandering through the desert you hear the faintest sound of Euro trash
1: dubstep like the Romans are coming you just hear the like the loudest sound of sexual harassment coming from over the horizon
0: they're actually they're not dying of, of thirst they're dying because they haven't found a
1: woman to harass verbally in days <laughs> Uh, Crassus is getting them to march because he has a scarecrow in a sexy dress at the front of the formation.
0: Trying, they're trying to whistle their cracked, dry lips at it and just failing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now they, the Romans were still in the uh, in the square formation, uh, and that is when the two sides eventually met. When Serena opened the battle, because again, the Romans had no idea where they were. Uh, Serena ordered his cataphracts to charge. Uh, attempting to break the Roman square. And uh, mm-hmm. they also began playing incredibly loud war drums uh, that Plutarch said were so loud that Roman commanders had a hard time passing orders to the men to their left and right. Um, Once
1: again, in congruent with, uh, or congruent with Italians right now, they're just playing like really drum-heavy Euro trance. <laughs> like Serena, like with one hand in the air, dramatically like
0: drop the beat
1: <laughs> it just it just sounds like a 100 AD uh eurovision coming over the horizon you just like one guy playing a flute
0: oh god we've we've made two armies that i just fucking hate at this point um now the the square formation did hold uh, because it was meant to do this exact thing um so strida ordered a withdrawal now this was Kind of intelligent uh, now when he ordered a withdrawal it wasn't like a broken like they weren't routing but he ordered his commanders to make it look like that's what happened uh, like okay. when, when like when you're when you're pulling them in back from the square look like you're you're running away in confusion or whatever I, I don't know how you do that I guess you do the team America thing with your hands over your head I'm not entirely sure um so when they Pulled back, the Romans believed that they were broken. So instead, they actually swung around and got behind the Roman formation, cutting off their way of escape. Then the horse archers moved in. Now, the Romans attempted to immediately counter the horse archers with a cavalry charge of their own, which was met with a hail of arrows and broke them, sending them running back towards their own square formation. This ended up, they trampled over their own men, ran into their own spears. <laughs> it's just incredible stuff. Um, it turns out when you're, when you're riding a several hundred pound furry war monster that's getting pelted with arrows, you kind of lose control of it uh, because the mm. horses have more self-preservation skill than Romans. Yeah. Now, the Romans were now trapped in these squares. Trapped. Uh, they could not pull back because there's horses behind them. They were now surrounded by horse archers who were just raining arrows down on them like they might as well have an arrow machine gun. The square formation is not a formation made for flexible, agile movement, and they were packed Mm -hmm. so close together, the Parthian archers didn't really have to aim. (laughs) They could just like Uh, aim for the fucking block of Italians
1: over there. Uh, Aim for the big square. Yeah. The sand runs thick with olive oil. (laughs) Imagine just being the guy that's like bang square in the middle of the square. He's like... All right, uh, I might be safe for like a little while. I just need to hold my shield above my head and no one will hit me. But like slowly, people are. D- it's like those uh, the simulator videos that I send you of like, you know, one super orc versus 10,000 Romans. <laughs> See, that is what the
0: Romans needed. They need a super orc. They didn't have mm-hmm. the Urukai pits in Rome yet. Um, now, this is exactly what Serena had planned for the square, not the Urukai. Um, His men were burning through arrows like they're just thousands of arrows are being fired every minute. But he'd Mm -hmm. set up an entire logistic system with runners, donkeys, camels, and thousands of men all in place to simply run arrows to the front. Um, So
1: (laughs) that is incredible. Like that, that. That's how you win a battle is like, not like, oh, we're going to march away from the water. It's like, I'm going to think of some sort of logistics delivery system. It's like, you know, Amazon next day delivery for your arrows that you can like shoot into some Romans.
0: Yeah. And more specifically, this directly countered Crassus's original plan, how to get out of the situation when he was trapped. Like, well, they have to run out
1: of arrows eventually. And Serena, high on a mountaintop, is like, bitch, no, I don't. It's like, you know, it's, uh, someone is sitting on top of you just punching you in the face and you just have to think. It's like, they have to get tired some at some point. They hey, have to take a it break It works some for point. Homer. <laughs> yeah, but... Until you know, it didn't. Until it didn't. Yeah. Now, Crassus
0: eventually did see like, wow, these arrows are actually never running out. So he ordered his son and 6,500 men to charge out and attempt a breakout. This went as, exactly as well as you can think. Uh, the Romans charged, the Parthian horsemen reeled back, filling the Romans with hope that they had retreated, forcing them to charge faster, pulling them further away from the main body of troops, Then the Parthians rode back around, surrounding them, and cut off Crassus' son's detachment from the rest of the Roman army, and then began hammering with arrows once again.
1: Like, if you have, no, like, I think from a tactical perspective, if you have been like how long have they been under hail of fire of arrows at this stage before they broke out it's had to have been fucking hours (laughs) so like for hours they have hours worth of arrows and you think okay now they've run out you know i think that's a and we're gonna break out into towards a formation that they can flank us on and surround us like that's just not really well it's crass so it's not really great tactics from the get-go but still i feel like that is just a next level tactical misjudgment we have them right where they want us (laughs) stupid stupid like a fox stupid like a fox with
0: eight arrows stuck in its face
1: these romans are more arrow than people at this point fucking loads of romans running around like the painting of the execution of saint sebastian
0: i mean kind of like uh at this point like publius attempted to order another breakout from this point only to see that his force had been hit with so many arrows, his men's hands were nailed to their shields, and their feet were pinned to
1: the ground. <laughs> oh my God. Like, this is at, at this stage, yeah, like, definitely the Parthians were definitely. There's like a kid up on the hill, like some soldier's son. He's like, Oh, do you want to take a shot at the Romans? You know, i kind of tired. Go. You want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's take your kid to work day because, like, oh, we're just going to destroy these dudes so easily. He's like, Okay, this like seven year old Iranian kid is just like (laughs) firing arrows.
0: And they invented the NHL line shift change because their archers were getting so tired. Like, we need a new, (laughs) we need a new fresh seven in there. Let's go. However, the Rome, uh, the, the lone Roman bright spot of the entire battle happened within this trapped detachment. Publius's forces had Celts and Gauls in its ranks, and they fought like motherfuckers. The Celts decided on the spot, like we're going to come up with, I mean, they're not going to win, of course, but mm-hmm. they, they came up with a, 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 an, a, a tactic that was so smart in comparison to what the rest of the Roman forces were doing. That's considered like revolutionary, like these guys in all this horse armor, they look awfully heavy. What if we made them come down here with us? So <laughs> they would grab onto the cataphracts long lances and pull them off their horses, jump on them in large groups and frantically beat and stab them to death.
1: I mean, look, that sounds very Celt like I'm not going to lie. You, you're going to see that like next weekend in <laughs> Dublin is just say same thing. It's just going to happen, except it's going to be like a dude getting pulled off, like standing on a traffic bollard, and just get the shit kicked out of him. Now the Gauls had dismounted and they laid down on the ground as the horses
0: charged towards them. And then when they got close, they'd spring up and disembowel the Parthian horses.
1: This is a, this is the thing is like and it's similar who, to how like pikes became used like way later for like dealing with cavalry is like you have a horse charging at you, if you can like move slightly out of the way or get a pike in around any stirrups, any armor, you can just pull a dude off.
0: Yeah, I mean people standing up tall on horses are and like cataphracts horses also have armor on them but their stomachs don't have any mm-hmm. so the gulls are like i have this revolutionary new idea i'm going to lay
1: down uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired i'm just going to just going to take a quick nap yeah. i got you surprise motherfucker uh, like uh, look i'm in favor of anything that
0: dis- that uh that disembowels horses i don't like horses they got weird teeth i don't like them <laughs> <laughs> uh this podcast does not endorse horse torture and disembowelment. Uh, this message has been brought to you by our legal counsel. Uh, though, like like I said, in the end, that didn't matter. After being shot with arrows for hours and weakened, the heavy horse cataphracts were sent in to finish them off. Cornered and wounded, Publius ordered his aide to kill him before the Parthians get their hands on him. And he did. Now... This is completely separate from Crassus, and Crassus had no idea what was going on over there. Uh, he didn't actually know what had even happened to the other detachment. Uh, completely clueless, he had no idea his son was dying horribly. They were not with an eye shot, and every messenger he sent out in that direction were, of course, hit with like a- an unholy
1: amount of arrows before they even got close. Um, however, you mean the messenger that sent out is like, you just know you're about to get, like, absolutely, like, shish-kebobbed with, like, arrows. And he's like, no, yeah, just, like, run over there. Tell those guys, you know, what's going on. Come back. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah, like, I know this didn't work for the last four messengers, but... Giuseppe, I got faith in you, buddy. Let's go.
1: Hey, it's why, It's a me. I gotta deliver the message. <laughs> uh, oh, no, the arrows! He's just, like... Flying over the sand in, like, a little Vespa scooter with his helmet on. I he deliver the message. He gets hit with, like, six arrows and cocaine comes out. No, I was going to say uh, just Dior Sauvage, like, bleeds out of him.
0: <laughs> uh, now, Crassus had no idea what was happening with his son, but the Parthians were nice enough to inform Crassus themselves of the fate of his son by launching his severed head towards the line via catapult. Um, and Based. they carry it over to that point by uh, carrying it at the point of a spear so it's like, I mean huh <laughs> well I guess I need a new one
1: my question is does he realize now how screwed he's a, he is and try something different no there's really
0: nothing else he can like the Parthians won this battle the second they'd cut they'd cut them off uh, Crassus mm-hmm. managed to, to keep his shit together despite having his son's severed head thrown at him he tried to rally his army, but after being shot at for hours, his own army seemed to just not care anymore. Uh they 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 all seemed to just be resigned to their fate of eventually getting their skull ventilated with a with an arrow. I don't
1: get paid enough I don't get paid enough gold and salt for this shit. I'm going home. Where's my union rep?
0: I need I need local legion representative uh 63 <laughs> or whatever. Uh,
1: oh, this is uh the representative for local uh cavalry Re- the Cavalry Legion sixty three. uh We need to negotiate the terms of this advance.
0: Uh, somehow he comes up still wearing a w- uh, like a Union branded windbreaker, even though
1: it's like fifty three BC. <laughs> <laughs> Just rocking up in like a Roman legionnaire like Letterman jacket. It's like, <laughs> uh, have you got the uh, appropriate charging uh, paperwork done? Okay, do you have the forms from everyone involved? uh This is going to cost you some overtime. You know, it's after five PM. Come on, guys. What, what are we doing here? Crassus,
0: I would show you the CBA, but I currently have an arrow lodged in my throat. <laughs> um, at one point, Crassus tried to rally his men uh, around the name of his dead son to like get them to cheer his name, and nobody even answered. Fuck that
1: guy's kid.
0: <laughs> Fuck your son, you asshole. I want to go home. Oh. Oh.
1: If this guy was as much of an idiot and an asshole as he seems, I can't imagine his son was that liked either. He couldn't have been. I mean, he was raised by Crassus. He has to be a massive prick. Well, he was a massive prick himself. Now he's just a severed head. Um, So like, yeah, but like anyone listening who has ever worked at a small business where one of the owner's kids worked with you, you know exactly what this kid is like.
0: Yeah. And you also probably wish you could also throw his severed head at your boss. Uh, There was really no good way out of the situation, so there wasn't even desertion. It didn't seem like that because Roman soldiers were pretty open to the idea of like chucking their shield down and and making a and doing a runner if they if they had the Mm -hmm. opening. But you know they were all looking at each other and be like, you know, something tells me that the 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 Parthians aren't going to be super receptive to us running towards them at this point. So we should just sit mm-hmm. here and stick it out. Uh, I mean, we've actually talked about this before. Uh, I mean, some desertions did happen, and those men were immediately killed by the Parthians. Um, like during mm-hmm. the 1812 uh, French invasion of Russia and uh, Napoleon's you know, infamous retreat from Moscow uh, and Russia as a whole, the Grand Army mostly died and like splintered. But the yeah. soldiers who stayed within military formations, and no matter how miserable things went, had the much higher rate of survival. Uh, this concept of like staying around the flag, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, like the Romans realized their only hope of survival was staying within their legion and fighting, even if the situation was completely and utterly hopeless. Now the sun began to go down. Crassus wrapped himself in a cloak,
1: curled up in a ball on the ground, and had a good old mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like like I can't imagine just being a soldier and like witnessing this dude. On the ground, just like screaming his head off. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, what do you? What What do you mean? What do you want to do? You're supposed to be in charge. You're supposed to know what we're supposed to do. Are we all just going to fucking die now
0: because you can't keep your shit together? Sir, I would complain, but I currently have an arrow lar- lodged directly down my urethra, and I'm just gonna go s- cut myself with a sword.
1: Practicing sounding with a Parthian arrow.
0: <laughs> um. Now, Crassus. He was, he's not doing so well. His officers mm. walk over him, try to get him back into the world of the sane, but he refuses to move. He's literally just locked in the fetal position. So the officers independently ordered all able bodied men to withdraw in the middle of the night and get back towards the town of Karai. This required them to abandon their wounded, and when the wounded began to notice like, what was happening, like they began screaming, having a pretty good idea what was about to happen to them, should the Parthians show up. <laughs> um, rather than face their wounded friends, the Romans forgot about this orderly withdrawal situation they were supposed to have, and just ran away from the sound of their own dying men. The Parthians watched from the distance as the Romans uh, ran away, making no attempts to chase them. The next morning, they calmly walked into the abandoned Roman camp and murdered 4,000 wounded men who were still laying there. Um, no, the Parthians did run into a group of Roman soldiers who were like, walking wounded. They weren't too bad off. And like mm-hmm. a small group, like a couple dozen men, back against the wall and began fighting them. And they fought for so long that the Parthians were really just like, look, actually you guys are good you can you can go away we're like we're not going to execute you You can just walk home and the Romans are like oh okay uh well we're like several thousand miles away could we get like some water and the parthians like yes uh they got some water and we're allowed to walk away
1: yeah they're just like i don't feel like honing my sword or like sharpening it later on just like get some water and fuck off yeah as the massacre in the camp was going
0: on, Serena had already surrounded Carai, where the surviving Roman army was hiding, which included Crassus, who had seemed to finally snap out of it uh, mm-hmm. and take control of his army. But there was no idea uh, amongst the the group of officers still in charge that the Romans were actually going to be able to fight their way out of this one. Serena himself rode into the city uh, rode towards the city gates and demanded the delivery of Crassus in chains. Uh, With the precondition to like, if you give us him, we will talk to the rest of you and you'll all probably get to go home. But I want (laughs) Crassus. Uh, Obviously, Crassus wasn't the biggest fan of this whole idea and refused. Instead, he told everybody, look, chill out. The king of Armenia is coming and he's going to bring reinforcements. In reality, the king had already been defeated uh, and had been retaken over by Parthia. Uh, So that was not going to (laughs) happen. Crassus, not sure what to do. Uh, or any kind of best way out of the situation, he decided he needed to split what remained of his army into smaller groups, so they might be able to sneak away. Crassus took about 1,500 men and hired another local guide. Yes, this one was also a spy.
1: Oh. Yep.
0: Uh, The guide then led him off into the middle of the night, marched them around in circles so they'd get lost, brought them into bad terrain, and then sent word to the Parthians of their location. The Parthians appeared and launched the attack, certain to kill Crassus. Then a random group of Romans appeared who had been lost since the first battle and like just out, out of nowhere, like, oh, look, it's the general. And they ran over and saved him, despite the fact they had been lost for like a day and a half. Uh, they saved Crassus's life. Though at this point, Serena knew where Crassus was and sent out another messenger offering Crassus a truce. The terms would be if Crassus agreed to leave and go back to Rome, he'd be allowed to walk away scot-free. He would just have to meet with Serena and they'd sign the document so he could take it back to the Parthian king and be like, look, this is what happened. Crassus refused, but the, uh, his officers and men had threatened to mutiny and send him to Serena in chains. If he didn't knowing otherwise, they were all going to die. Of course this was also a trap. Um Crassus walked into the Parthian camp and was immediately murdered.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they cut his head off, poured uh. molten
0: gold down his throat in order to mock his notorious wealth, and the head was used as a prop for a play performed in front of the king of
1: Parthia. <laughs> like imagine being like a king at this stage, and you like you go about your day of like wine drinking, cavorting, like just, like, signing various documents and then, like, you know the way, like, everyone would sit down to watch, like, TV at, like, 8pm he just sits down, and it's like, hmm, I wonder whose head is going to be used as a prop tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it probably looked sick as fuck because it was covered in gold like, <laughs> I mean
1: oh, but like, I'm trying to think, like, like do they dip it in gold or pour the gold over because i feel like if you pour the gold over it it might like waste a lot of gold like yeah. you no know, i don't want to be wasteful you know it's it's still gold it's still worth something
0: i think for a for a full accounting of coverage of gold you need a dip uh, if listeners if you have ever covered your enemy's severed head in gold how did you do it right into the show it like
1: or is it like making a candle, where like they have to like dip it, let it dry, dip it again, and just do that over several dips, and it builds up cumulative layers of gold on the head?
0: Maybe it's more like a candied apple situation, where you dip it ha- hair first, so you can keep, mm. you know, the, the the neck stem as
1: gold free, because you
0: because you're gonna leave fingerprints on the gold when you play with it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's not going it's not gonna be perfect, you know.
0: Yeah, and it, when I dip my severed heads in gold, I demand perfection. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: uh, now the rest of the Romans Didn't exactly fare much better
0: All of the groups that were running around Were eventually caught and hunted down like animals Out of an army of around 50,000 20,000 were dead Another 10,000 were captured And immediately pressed into slavery Now in the aftermath of the battle Sirena led his army back And captured all of the areas That the Romans had previously captured And then he, had hel- he held a mock triumph uh, to make fun of Crassus, uh, and a captured Roman soldier who looked an awful lot like Crassus was placed at the head of the army, forced to wear women's clothes for some reason, and then answer every time Serena was like, "Hey, Crassus," and he'd be like, "Yes, my lord." Uh, and then behind him, Serena's soldiers uh,
1: uh, uh, marched, each of them carrying a severed Roman head. Like the like being a king. I in like what was this fifty six A D
0: like fifty I think fifty three I believe yeah
1: fifty three A D it's just like kind of being like in a weird Family Guy episode it's like and I was like what can we do next yes and like they're just doing improv comedy with like the severed limbs of their enemies I mean, he's doing prop comedy
0: he's doing the worst kind of
1: comedy there ac- there ever is uh <laughs> what do you think Crassus <laughs> and he has his like hands stuck up his head and is moving the mouth. Gotta, gotta fist that
0: throat hole uh, Working like a puppet uh, uh. Now after delivering Rome's Greatest ever def- One of Rome's greatest ever defeats You would expect Serena would be welcomed home as a hero Have the king lavish him with Riches, titles, lands uh, Married into the royal Family or something mm-hmm. uh, Nope uh, he, uh, he was immediately Executed upon arrival uh, King Orodus was worried about him becoming too famous and therefore a political threat to his power. Um, let this be a lesson to everybody who is listening. Never be too good at your job.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why I do a, a relatively okay job producing this show. And
0: I do a relatively bad job at podcasting. Um, this is so that my co-host does not eventually attempt to murder me. A, a few years later, or- Orodes was also murdered by his son. Uh, just like he had previously done to his father. So everybody's getting murdered here. Mm. Now, this battle also eventually tipped the scales back in Rome. The triumvirate was an unwieldy form of government, obviously. Um, however, the three-headed monster kind of sort of kept itself in line as there's always a third person to act as a foil uh, that counterbalance the schemes of the other two. But now that Crassus was dead, it was just Caesar and Pompey to fight for influence in Rome, which, of course... Pave the way for the coming Roman civil War that'd give birth to the Roman Empire at some point. Oh, small side note here. Of the 10,000 or so Roman POWs that survived the battle uh, and were sold off to local families, they got married off, became regular civilians, whatever, there is an absolutely wild conspiracy theory that I don't know if conspiracy theories were, the but theory that exists without any evidence whatsoever that is they ended up in China. Uh, in the city of uh, of Qian and fought for the Han dynasty. The evidence of this uh, boils down to the fact that one Chinese historian said that the tactics used by the Han vaguely resembled that of the Romans, specifically the Testudo formation, though there is absolutely zero physical evidence and this just seems like a
1: very weird fanfic. Um, like, do do people realize letters and, you know, like, Tra- like people traveled between these regions and like people talked about this stuff. It's not like some like mystical thing that like a letter went from like one part of the world to the other to describe like this, you know, battle. I'm just like, what? Not people mention, just want to believe that the Romans were everywhere.
0: Not to mention the Romans everywhere they went, they left physical evidence. Like everywhere that their soldiers were stationed, they carved dicks in the walls, left material behind, you name it. Uh, Yeah, they definitely like, were the- not. Though, to be fair, Rome- one of Crassus's ideas was to go to China uh, via India. Of course, that did not happen because he got his head dipped in gold uh, in the middle of the desert.
1: Yeah, like the Romans are the historical version of like English football fans. Like anywhere they go, you know they've been there because of the amount of shit they leave
0: behind. <laughs> Sometimes just literal shit. Now, that is uh, the hilarious death of Crassus and the Battle of Karai. Uh, car hey um i'm probably pronouncing wrong. tom we do a thing on the show called questions from the legion um if you would like to ask us a question from the legion donate to the show ask us via patreon or uh on our discord channel and we will answer it on air today's question is uh what do you do when you're not podcasting or producing like what do you do uh to let off stress i think we've had a question kind of similar to this before and i think people assume that we are chained to our computers uh and don't do anything
1: else um yeah like i go to the gym i play video games i like going out and drinking pints and listening to music like that's really it like i'm i'm very simple um i am and i People who follow me might have seen this I am from my other podcast going to learn how to tattoo. So gonna I'm going to be, be doing that. Um, I'm also taking up a pottery class in April, so you know.
0: I I mean I I think all of my hobbies are quite normal. Uh I'm I go to the gym uh, almost every day. If I don't I go, I feel weird if I don't, honestly. Um I obviously I write, but I guess it doesn't count cuz that's also work. Um Mhm. Yeah, I mean, I have a I've probably the most normal social life that I've had in most of my life until very recently. So like
1: um I mean, it's be it's because you're not surrounded by uh like hundreds of other people who also have extensive brain damage and are very bored. That does help. Um yeah, going outside is nice. You should try
0: it sometime. Uh like get away from your computers if you can if you can. Um yeah. especially when you work on them all day, you know? Uh but Tom, thank you so much for joining me again here on the show. This is the area where you can plug uh, your show. I said show twice. It sounds stupid, but plug, plug, uh, in, plug your podcast.
1: Uh, beneath the Skin, it's a history of everything told through the history of tattooing. Um, like I said earlier, we've done, by the time this comes out, we've finished our four-part series on the history of Japan. We have loads of stuff like the history of... You know, crime and tattooing, we've talked about like some artists throughout history. It's a good time. And even if you don't know anything about tattooing, that's totally fine. The show is like history first, and then you can learn about tattooing through it.
0: Again, thank you. Go listen to Beneath the Skin. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you like what we do here, consider supporting us via Patreon. Uh, you get episodes like this early. Um, you get bonus episodes, bonus series. You get access to an entire series before everybody else. Discord access. Uh, stickers uh, all sorts of stuff I'm probably not even remembering any of it um, and if you don't want to do that that's fine it's your money do it to what you please uh, but leave us a review and wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps us immensely immensely, and uh, makes us feel good about ourselves because it's it's nice to feel nice uh, to read nice things about the hard work that you do occasionally um, and until next time um dip your enemy's head in gold i i don't know if i could say that but do it sustainably don't waste gold sustainable head dipping in gold